All right, good morning. Um, I was sitting in Sunday school this morning, and I was listening to the guys talk, and I'm like, come on, guys, you're stealing the sermon. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, if you're in the men's uh, Sunday school class this morning, we touched on a lot of the things I'm going to touch on here this morning. And then I grabbed the bulletin, and uh, I'm guessing this was Marilyn. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, 1 Peter 3.18. And now you can go home. <laughs> and so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, last week, we, we looked at some of the things Christ's blood does for us. We talked about eternal redemption, uh, that forever bought back or forever ransomed. Uh, we talked about sanctification. We talked about eternal inheritance. Uh, we talked how Jesus' blood enacts a New Testament. Uh, we talked about how Jesus' blood purchases forgiveness. And we talked about how Jesus' blood was sufficient and the sufficiency of the blood. And this week we're going to kind of build off that idea. We're going to be in the same passages, uh, Hebrews 9 and 10. And uh, we're just going to continue through here and pick up some stuff that we, we kind of jumped over last week and talk about that a little bit this morning. So uh, if you would, just bow with me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you for this time together. Uh, thank you that uh, we can look into your word. I pray as we do this that uh, it's not anything that I have to say or, or, or uh, my thoughts, but what your word says. I pray that it's right, that it's in context, and um, that you can help us to apply it to our own lives here and now. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in Hebrews, chapters 9 and 10. Uh, remember, as we talk about Hebrews, right, the, these are Jewish Christians, um, they're people who've probably lived through the Old Testament law, you know, probably some of the older folks, the older generation. The temple hasn't, hasn't been destroyed yet, or maybe it's right in that time frame where, where it was destroyed uh, when Hebrews was written. And so as a Hebrew, as a Hebrew Christian, when we talk about the Old Testament, they're going to make the correlation really fast, right? They're, they're going to understand these things of, of the sacrifice, the temple, the priests, um, now, for us today, we, we didn't grow up in that. We're not maybe as close to that. You know, we, we don't quite understand it as much. Um, so it might be a little harder for us, but we still have the Old Testament. We can go back and read what was going on there in, in our Bibles. And so we can take what we know about the book of Hebrews, right, and what we learn in the book of Hebrews, and we can go back to Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and a make that correlation. And we can do that vice versa. We can look at, you know, look through all those, uh, those books and come to places like Galatians and Hebrews and, and make the connections there. And so that, that's why we have the Word of God. He, he allows us to do that and make sense of it. And the big thing is to understand how that Old Testament connects to Christ. And, and that's what um, the author of Hebrews was trying to do. And so the main idea of what we want to look at today is this idea that we get in, in Hebrews and other places, obviously in, uh, in First Peter here, right? We want to make, get that idea of, of once for all. And uh, so we're going to read through the text here, and we're going to be in Hebrews, and we're going to start in Hebrews uh, 9, verse 23 is where we're going to start. 
And we're going to read down through to 10, 18. So we're going to start in Hebrews 9, 23, if you want to open your Bibles there. And we're going to go ahead and just read through this text. Hebrews 9, 23. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he has appeared to us once, he has appeared once for all at the end of ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeatedly and repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, they would not, they, if it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sin because it, impos- it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came to the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you do not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, Here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish a second, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. So let's jump back there then to chapter 9, verse 23, and we're going to start going down through this. And so in verse 23, again, it says, It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. And so when we think about this and when we, we, we see this one time in the course of time, Christ opening the way to heaven. Um, the priest needed to be purified. If, if we're talking about the Old Testament te- temple or tabernacle, that priest that would go into that holy of holies, uh, he needed to be purified, and other things needed to be purified so he could gain access into that holy of holies. So when we think of Christ in, in this heavenly temple uh, making that way, 
uh, he would be our way to the Father on a greater scale. Uh, he would open up those floodgates that we could get in. Uh, I was thinking about this, and, and remember uh, when Jesus died on the cross, what happened at the temple that day? The, the veil that separated that Holy of Holies was ripped open. And, and I think about this verse, and I think that's kind of the idea. So at one time, we get this better sacrifice that cleanses us, Jesus, and now we have this access to God. There, there's no, no middleman. It's, it's Christ and God. We, we've skipped that part where there's another man, another human being, uh, a fallen human being that has to go into the temple for us. Christ has now opened up that way, and at one time, for once for all, right, there was a better sacrifice given. So as we think about that in verse 24, for Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary. That was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. So last week we said Jesus didn't stay dead. He's alive. He was sacrificed, but he, was, uh, he rose. And, and where is he right now? As we speak right now, Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God the Father. He appears in heaven making intercession for us. And talking about Hebrew Christians, he's, he was in heaven making intercession for Hebrew Christians. For those people that, uh, of, of the Jewish people that were now saved, he, God, or he, Jesus, is now at the right hand of the Father making intercession. Does that apply to Lance Christians? Yeah, it, it's the same Jesus, he did the same things for both of us, whether it was 2,000 years ago or, or now. He is in the presence of the Father. Jesus is in the presence of the Father, making this intercession for us, and he purified and opened that way so we can get there. I'm going to jump back and, and, and read Hebrews 7 because it, it gives us a better idea of how this works. Hebrews 7, verses 18 through 26. And it starts out by talking about that old way, that old temple, that old priesthood. In Hebrews 7, verse 18, it says, The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without an oath. But he became a priest with an oath. When God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will, never, and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become a guarantee of a better covenant. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike any other... Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak, but the oath which came after the law appointed the son who has been made perfect forever. And so when we look at that and we see that intercession, would you want to stand in, in God's presence and try to intercede for yourself? I wouldn't. 
I, I'm stumbling and stammering right now, right? I, I would be worse, right? I, I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know what to do. And, and in fact, I could not even make it to God's presence to even intercede for myself, right? And so through Christ now, we have that intercession. Uh, we, I can't get there without Jesus, and he was the one that opened that way a, as our priest. And, and as we read that in Hebrews 7, uh, look at some of that, and I call it kind of once-for-all language there in Hebrews 7. It says, the Lord will not change his mind. Jesus is a priest forever because he lives forever. He's always lives to intercede. And he brings a guaranteed better covenant. And so if, if things are forever in those verses, and they don't change, and they're guaranteed, then they're only one time. And it only needs done once for all. If it's perfect, it doesn't need done over and over and over again. And so we're talking about things that are, that are solid and unswerving, like they're unwavering. When Christ opened up that way, now we have this solid ground that we could stand on because it's been done once for all. In chapter 9, back over to chapter 9 there, in verses 25 and 26, it says, Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood that is not his own. Then Christ would have been had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he's appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. So as we read this in Hebrews, the Old Testament sacrifice talked about here, it's mostly talking about the Day of Atonement, right? Yom Kippur, you've heard that word. Um, but as we think about it, there were, there were lots of different sacrifices. It was a continual idea of sacrifice, right? If you remember Mary and Joseph, right, after Jesus was born, they took Jesus to the temple as a baby, right, because they had the sacrifice. They took two doves. And so this, this mostly is talking about that day of atonement, but just think that there's sacrifice all the time for sin and for just all kinds of different things um, that we do. So all the time, sacrifices were made, but then Jesus came and changed things. At least for the Jews, for the Hebrews who became Christians, right? And we already said that not long after, or maybe even during, while Hebrews was being written, the, the temple was destroyed. And so even for those people who are still Jews, there is no place to sacrifice. They've lost all this. But to a Jewish Christian, or to a Lance Christian, or to a pick-a-town-down-the-road Christian, that doesn't matter that that temple's not there, because we have something better. Uh, we have something that's more solid and more once-for-all. That temple could be destroyed, but the temple we're talking about, the temple Christ entered into, can't be destroyed. It's permanent. It's, it's a one-time thing. So this Day of Atonement, it was year after year, but it was lacking. Um, it was It was done by people. Uh, it was done by a priest. Uh, thinking back about it, way back, when, when Moses come down from Mount Sinai, all the Jewish people were standing around there, and they said, all that God says, we will do it. That's a pretty big thing to say, because God said to do a lot of things, and guess what they did? They didn't do it. So we're going to fail at that same as they would have. 
And so this whole idea, the, the whole temple, the priest, it, it was just a copy of the real thing. It was pointing us then to Jesus Christ down this road. And so Jesus gave himself one sacrifice, one time, for all time. That's all that was needed. If you think about it, if something is perfect, how many times do you need to do it? If, if, if it's perfect, if I paint a painting and I say, that's perfect, do I need to do it again? Um, I, I, if it's perfect, it only needs done once. If I built a perfect car, right, I would never have to replace it. I would never have to get a new one because it's perfect. It wouldn't rust. It wouldn't break down. It, it would just need done one time, and we would be done. So as we think about Jesus Christ, how many times was Jesus born here on earth? One time. How many times was Jesus crucified or sacrificed? How many times was that done? Just one time. How many times did he rise from the grave? Just one time. How many times have you sinned? I would just take a guess that it would be more than once. Um, but that doesn't matter because whether we sin one time or more times, Christ's sacrifice was only one time because it was right and it was perfect. And he did away at that time with our sin debt by that sacrifice. And so the good thing is, even though I've sinned bunches of times, that sin debt is paid by the one time that Christ took care of it. And it's a good thing it's not left up to me because I can't take care of it because I'm not perfect. And so it's now put on Christ. My sins, your sins, as Christians, are, is now put on Christ. And because that's something that we couldn't do because we're not perfect. As we kind of move down through here then, in verses 27 and 28, it says, Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So once for all, this sin is paid for. Uh, for the Christian, Jesus has taken it away. The sins of many people. There are many believers in Christ throughout the ages, right? And he has taken care of all that sin. Um, from the Hebrew times to today to those Old Testament saints, he has is, he is cleaned up that sin. So the sins of the past, the sins of today, the sins of tomorrow have already been paid for that one time on the cross. I, I think about this, and uh, Jesus, right, is not reborn, grows up and crucified every time I sin. Right? We don't go through this whole cycle of the Gospels. <coughs> Excuse me. We don't, we don't go through the whole Gospels every time somebody sins. Jesus doesn't come back, is born, grows up, crucified every time we sin. It, it was a one-time deal, and it was perfect and doesn't need done again. So, so as we think about our sinfulness and our, the sins that we commit, even this afternoon or even while we're sitting here, Okay. 
So back to this thought. If, if, if the sin was paid for once for all, and I still sin, does that mean I can just do it willy-nilly? Can I just continue to do whatever I feel like? Um, no, that's not what that means. Because that sin was paid for once for all, doesn't mean I just ran, you know, willingly go sin. Um, Paul, he, he says in Romans 6, he goes, by no means, or, or I kind of like the King James Version, God forbid that you would just continue to sin because your sins have been paid for. That's, that's not how we work. Last week we read Hebrews 9.14, and it says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? Well, we're not called to sin now, we're called to service. And so, will we sin? Yes, but those sins are paid for, and I don't want to sin, because I want to be in service to Christ. And he paid for those sins. And so that's, the, that's what we want to do as we move forward in this life, not to willingly sin, but to understand that our sins are paid for, and because of that, we can serve Christ. We can serve God. Also, this isn't saying that we don't confess our sins or, or ask forgiveness. Um, that's not what this is saying here. If you want to read about that, you, you go over to 1 John 1 and a little bit of chapter 2, you can read about that. So it's not saying that we don't confess sin or ask for forgiveness. What it is saying is that once for all that he died, so those sins are forgiven. That's what it's saying. So, because he's going to save many people through his sacrifice. At the end of verse 28 there, he's coming back again. Not to redo what has already been done. He's not coming, we already said that, he's not coming back to redo what has already been done, but to bring salvation. He's coming as the conqueror, as the savior, as the king. And and not for everybody, but for those who are waiting. Those people who are Christians, who that sin debt has been paid and has accepted the payment of Jesus Christ for that sin debt. And so that's where we're at. We're waiting for Jesus to return Not to save us from our sins again, but to gather us up as his church. That's what we're waiting for. And so verses 10, or chapter 10 there, verses 1 through 8, we we already talked about that last week. And there's more of that idea in there of of this once for all, this one time. But we had already talked about that a little bit last week. So we're going to jump down uh, to verses 9, chapter 10, verse 9, and start there. Then he said, here I am. I've come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So he sets aside this old law. We are off the hook, which is good because we're not Jewish and we don't have a temple. The Old Testament, it's completed, it's set aside for a New Testament. And in that New Testament... We've been made holy by his sacrifice once for all and one time. Now, some days I don't feel holy. Actually, a lot of days I don't feel holy. That's human, human nature. That's still that flesh, that sin nature in me. But because of Jesus, I am being made holy. Because God's not 
looking at Joel. God's looking at Jesus and saying, yes, that's been paid for. And so we still wrestle with that old self here. We're not in heaven yet, but Jesus is. He's there at the right hand, making intercession. And so we have now become holy once for all because of Jesus Christ. Moving down here in chapter 10, verse 11 through 14, it says, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And so what we have here, we have the Holy Spirit speaking, through Jeremiah, way back in the Old Testament. Uh, this is actually Jeremiah 31. And this is a promise made to Old Testament Hebrews. And it's now applied to New Testament Hebrews, Christian Hebrews. So this prophecy of Jeremiah is now applied to these New Testament Hebrew Christians. And I believe to us. I believe these verses are, are, are made for us and talk to us. Once again, this is the Old Testament looking forward to Jesus Christ and that cross and looking forward to that new covenant in his blood. Once for all, he accomplished what we nor the Israelites could. He accomplished making sinners holy. And so this Old Testament law, the thoughts and the rules of the meaning of the Old Testament law, are, are, they're, not, no, they're no longer carried out by sacrifice of animals. God's laws are now in us and through us. And I think in, in verse 16, as we read there, uh, verses 15 and 16, the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. So the thoughts and the rules of the meaning of the Old Testament sacrifice, the Old Testament law, are no longer carried out by these sacrificial animals. God's law is now in us, and it's through us. And, and I think when I read this, and I read verse 16, this is talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. It, it, when I read this, I, I think this is what the Holy Spirit is doing. And it, it was enacted one time by Jesus Christ himself. You, you think back to John 14, he says he will send a counselor and once again, depending on the version, or a comforter, I'll just take both of those. I'll take a counselor and a comforter. Um, and so we don't have the time to go back and read that, but as I read through it, as I prepared, it's not a coming and going. Jesus makes this promise that this Holy Spirit will come and start working in us and start doing things in us. And so I think when I read this verse 16, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. When I read that, I think, me, I think Holy Spirit. I, I think that when Christ sent, that, sent the Holy Spirit to start doing the Holy Spirit's work, this is how this all works together. So you think of the, think of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things, there is no law. I think the reason there is no law against such things is because that is God's law. 
Those are the things that embodies God's law. Love and peace and patience. And I think those are the things that embodies the law of God. And through Christ, God's law is put in us by the working of the Holy Spirit. That's just the way I think about it. When I read those verses, that's what pops into my mind. So, once for all, we're not bound by that Old Testament law. We have a new law in us. So we, Christians, whether you're Hebrew, whether you're black or white or Hispanic or Asian or Middle Eastern, are in Christ, and he puts God's law in us. And once again, back to 9.14 from last week, it says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, through the eternal spirit, offer himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness, from acts that lead to death so we may serve the living God. That cleansing of the conscience for his work, I think, ties in here. With Christ and the Holy Spirit working in us, through us, we start doing the work of God's law. And that's a covenant made one time. God doesn't make this covenant over and over again. It's a, it's a one-time thing. And so verse 17 here, then he adds... Once again, talking about Jeremiah, way back, this prophecy, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. So think about this a little bit. I don't think this verse means that God forgets. It says, their sins and lawless acts, talking about us, Christians, people, I will remember no more. I don't think that this means God forgets. He's God. I just don't, in my mind, I can't wrap my mind around God forgetting something. And that's not what it says. It says he remembers no more. And I think this is finality. I think that the once for all of Christ's work and the plan, the will of God, I think this means that God doesn't reconsider. I, I think when he looks at us, when he looks at the work of Christ, it's done. I think that's what remembering no more means. It's done. We're, we're not going back there. We're going forward from there. And so he doesn't reconsider. The sin is paid for. He doesn't go back and bring up the charges against me time after time. He doesn't revisit those sins I've committed time after time. Um, because every sin debt now is satisfied in Jesus Christ for the believer. And it was God's plan, and it's done. And so when I read that verse, there's sins and lawless acts I'll remember no more. That's how I think about it. So what if I sin today? What if I sin tomorrow? It's done. It's paid for. In verse 18 here, and where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. Nothing more can be done. The Old Testament, with its sacrifice and cleansing and the temple, that's all done. It's Christ now. And nothing else can do it. It's one time forever. There's nothing else that needs done. And there is nothing else that can be done for sin. When the perfect sin offering was made in Jesus Christ, that was it. There's nothing else there. We're not going to work our way into heaven because it was done once and this was the perfect way to do it. So, as we kind of finish this up, Christ is the one and only option here. There are no other options that we have because it's a one-time deal. You either hang on to that old way, whether it's the Old Testament law or our old lifestyle or our old life, 
or you grab the new way. You grab the new covenant that says Jesus Christ did this for you. And it's a one-time, once-for-all thing. That's the end of it. And so, once for all, right? Once for all, he's alive. He's not gonna, we're not going to rehash things again. Once for all, he was sacrificed. Once for all, he set aside the Old Testament law. Once for all, we're made holy. Once for all, sin was paid for. Once for all, God's law is written in us. And once for all, our sins are remembered no more. And so that's where we stand in front of God now as Christians, right? And that's where I want to stand, right? And that's how I want to live. It was paid for one time. And just, I just want to read you the, the verses 19 through 25 here because it just kind of, and it's going to just read better than I can say it. Uh, Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's a one-dime deal. That's what we're waiting for, that approaching day.